Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Conversations with Calvin, We the Species. Uh, and it, it's uh, a Friday afternoon, uh, August 27th. I always like to get chronological, and, and I always try to do a little bit of a sizzle wheel. I want to introduce Carol Selleck. Uh, and we, we've been just talking for an hour uh, in the green room, for lack of a better definition. <laughs> And, uh, and, and I was kind of going over the list of very interesting uh, commonalities that Carol and, and, and I share. And, and the biggest is we're actually here together now. Uh, but Carol is a singer songwriter. She's the author of Beyond the Song, which is an autobiographical novel, which I, I love the whole concept of that for a lot of reasons. Uh, she's also a Rutgers grad. So all this Rutgers stuff floating around here, it's close to home. So, but uh, before I bring Carol on, uh, this is my Johnny Carson monologue, for lack of a better, uh, and I always talk about that, but the, the commonalities uh, are with Carol and I, as we discovered since we've been Zooming, uh, is um, the street I lived on in Newark was perpendicular to the street she lived on in Newark. Um, Hawthorne Avenue, um, uh, and and then uh, Carol wound up in East Brunswick. I mean, she's going to tell you all this stuff, and, and and so did I, and 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 Rutgers, uh, and and um, uh, her affectation uh, with Laura Nero, uh, who I marveled at her songwriting growing up in the '60s and '70s, uh, which I did, which Carol did, and. Anyway, uh, I, I don't want to take any of your thunder. So my sizzle wheel is over. And this is going to be so much fun. Um, your career, your writing, your music. Uh, um, so, Carol. Yeah. So welcome. And, and, you know, how about a little bio and kind of get rolling along? Well, it's great to be here this afternoon. And um, yeah, I'm very excited about the uh, book I wrote, Beyond the Song. And it does reflect uh, growing up in the 60s and early 70s. I was part of the counterculture. And uh, before I got to Rutgers, I went to school at George Washington University. And I was in DC during the time of all the demonstrations. I took a pilgrimage to Berkeley, California, and had many interesting experiences there, and was during one of those experiences of hanging out that I realized I didn't just want to be a singer, but I wanted to write my own songs, and that felt very meaningful to me. So um, I wanted to write about what it was like as a woman, especially in this time period, because I came from a very sheltered suburban household. And I guess I did have an idyllic childhood after my family moved from Newark to East Brunswick. And um, my parents just assumed that I was going to be a teacher and uh, after all my adventures, I did end up going to Rutgers and getting my degree in early childhood and elementary education. But before that, I had a lot of exploring to do. And um, my friends and I, we were torn. We were torn between 
wanting to be who we knew our parents wanted us to be, which was a wife and a mother and finding true love. But there was a whole world out there. The pill had just been discovered. There was the counterculture. There was sexual freedoms. There was political freedoms. And when you're young and you have so much energy, it's just the most exciting time I felt that um, I could have experienced. So that reflected on my creative journey. And I write about the women, the singer songwriters who influenced me. Um, and the three main songwriters, there were many others, was Carol King, Laura Nero, and Joni Mitchell. So also in my book, um, the, each chapter begins with original lyrics that I wrote. Wow. And I still perform today. Wow. Wow. Um, you, you said something really interesting. That you did a pilgrimage to Berkeley, and when you and I quote were at Rutgers, uh, certainly uh, um, um, when I was at Rutgers, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Berkeley is where the free speech movement was born. Right. Uh, and I forgot the guy's name who was one of the pioneers of free speech, uh, but interestingly, Rutgers University had the reputation of being called it was called the berkeley of the east i don't know if you knew that a lot of people don't know that um but um well even when i was in a uh, senior in high school i did go to social events and political events at rutgers and there was a lot of uh i knew the person who was head of sds there there was a lot going on at rutgers it's true I forget. Were you in Newark? Um, no, I was. You were in New Brunswick. Oh, you mean uh, Rutgers? Yes. New Brunswick. Yeah. Okay, you were in New Brunswick. So you were at Douglas. Uh, well, when I went back to uh, this was when I was hanging out there. I was hanging out at Rutgers, but when I went back for my degree, I was actually going to Livingston. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, another uh, factor that people don't know, uh, Rutgers as progressive as it is, didn't become co-ed until 72 in New Brunswick. Right. That was the first time they took women uh, in, are, are you kidding me? A major university? Uh, um, so I always had a, um, uh, I had a hard time like processing the you know our university waited a long time to bring women on campus they they put them over in douglas uh so um and, and the other commonality i don't know if i mentioned this uh is the other night i, I watched a, a, a bio uh of david geffen this iconic figure in, in the world of film and and music and and one of his biggest uh, one of his biggest clients that he really was crazy about was Laura Nero, and also uh, in in the documentary uh, was Joni Mitchell. She was interviewed a whole bunch too. So he, he had done a lot of stuff with them, and and you and you 
quote them uh, in your chapters, which is very creative. Thank you. Yes. Um, Laura Nero, um, I think that she was a triple threat because her piano playing was incredible. Her vocal range was amazing. And her lyrics were pure poetry and so powerful. And she really um, covered so many different emotions. But what I liked about her, even when she was sad or she felt heartbroken, she got angry about it. She was empowered. She, and um, yeah, uh, she's definitely one of my all-time favorites. So interesting. And I, I don't think, uh, I mean, I, I learned from David Geffen that she was prolific. I mean, she, her, her main thing was giving her lyrics to, I mean, The Fifth Dimension, Stone Cold Picnic, or one of my favorite songs. Right. That was her, I, I, I guess. Uh, yeah, When I Die, um, that was one of her songs. And so, uh, why write a book beyond the song? Why did you write it? Talk about uh, well, I think it was something that I always wanted to do because I was saving letters from my father. I was saving political announcements from my years at George Washington. I was saving poetry and lyrics. And I also was uh, very much impacted by my family background, which included my father's family being killed in the Holocaust and having one uncle who survived um, the Holocaust and learning that I had um, a guardian angel, which was my grandmother who I was named after, Chaya Sora. And that was my father's mother. And I found out that there were times when I put myself in precarious situations and my father told me he actually was praying to my grandmother and that he even had a dream, a very important night that I was saved from something really horrific that I talk about in the book. And she came to him in a dream and said, um, can't you do something for her on earth? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's a wow. wow. Uh, but I also um, think that uh, through coming of age, I was able to grow and become a much stronger woman. And I was lucky enough to have um, a psychotherapist who guided me on my journey. And also I was very lucky to meet and work with a famous songwriter at 1650 Broadway, and her name uh, was Rosemary McCoy. She lived in Teaneck, but she came from Arkansas originally. Wow. And she had hundreds of songs published, including Elvis recorded her material, Nat wow. King Cole, Ike and Tina Turner. I mean, the list goes on and on. And she shared a lot of what she had intuitively picked up about songwriting with me and sort of took me into her world. And um, 
I felt very, very fortunate to have known her and we became really good friends too. Is she still here today? No, um, she died a few years ago, but she lived into her 90s. I mean, I, at one point I found out she was really the same age as my mother, but we were like girlfriends. We weren't like mother-daughter. So um, she was an ageless woman. She really was. And she was really prolific. Very prolific. And it's funny, it's not as if, She's really out there, her name. I mean, I didn't, till I met you, I didn't know who she was. Right. Um, she was a pioneer in the sense that she didn't want to just work for one company and be part of the mill. She had her own publishing company. She had different songwriting partners. One of her songwriting partners was Charlie Singleton, and uh, they wrote a lot of songs together. And then he went on to write Strangers in the Night. Wow. Yeah. And I, you know, I write about her in a few chapters. And back when you could just write your lyrics on some yellow lined paper and then go to the publisher and sing it for them. And they tell you, okay. Then you can go down to the recording studio, which is in the basement of the building and make a demo. And it was much, it seemed to me simpler times, but they only really worked for advances. A lot of the songwriters got chipped out of a lot of money because all they cared about was, okay, they'd get the advance. And then when I was going to work with her, I met a lot of songwriters who were in lawsuits trying to get what was rightfully theirs. You, you mentioned, uh, off topic, you mentioned that address in New York. Was that the Brill Building? Well, the Brill Building was first. And okay. then when the Brill Building started to go up in rent, all the songwriters moved over to 1650. Okay. okay. Because yeah. in all of the music documentaries that I, I watch, there's always somebody walking into the Brill Building, you know, to, right. try, to, to try to sell their, their music. Um, uh, it's not my world, you know, your world, uh, the music. And it's funny because looking back in the 60s or 70s, I write about that in my, my um, book that I'm finishing. Uh, I... I one of the one of my biggest disappointments, and, and I wanted to ask you about this. One of my major disappointments in my life that has impacted me to this day is that uh, when I lived in Maplewood, from Newark to Maplewood, but I, I spent a chunk of the '60s in Maplewood, and I was I was 35 minutes away from New York City by train in Greenwich Village, which was the mecca. Um, it was the mecca of folk music, uh, uh, of social change, uh, and, you know, Dylan. I mean, they all uh, came out of that, Peter, Paul, Mary. Um, huh. and, and I never went to the village once. Huh? Did, did you? Um, I did. Even in high school, I had friend, a friend that... Um, Instead of going to the senior prom, we went to the village and hung out and listened to music. And uh, yeah, there were, it was so creative and there was so much energy there. Yeah. 
it it was the capital of the world for 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 social change for protestation for all of that and it's such a it, it lives with me to this day that i never did that and, and and who i am today as a result of having not gone to the village so so disappointed in myself well how do you think it would have changed your life well uh it would have maybe put me on a different pathway. Uh, I, I spend a, a chunk of my life. Well, it, it's complicated. Uh, uh, the fact I didn't do it and the fact I'm aware that I didn't uh, mm-hmm. makes me so aware that today I don't want to miss anything and I want to jump into uh, you know, issues. I, I want to be what I wasn't. That's the point. I'm, I'm very involved environmentally now. And it's because in some strange convoluted way, I, I didn't go to the village when I that's should a, That's a really good title. I want to be what I wasn't. That could be a song or a book. You can well, make it a song. You can run with it. You have my okay. blessing right Thanks. here on the air. Um, um, so you, you, you wrote Beyond the Song. Uh, so how did you? Uh, I'm curious as a writer myself. How did you write the book? I really honestly started the book a few times, one more in my late 20s, and I was really inspired, and I was typing it out and calling my downstairs neighbor who never slept and reading parts to him. I remember that. And then um, I'd say about 10 or 15 or 20 years later, there's um, three good friends, roommates in the book from Washington. And I had found out one of them had passed away. And so I, I furiously wrote down everything I could possibly remember that we, cause we had gone to California together and had a lot of adventures together. And then I just put that away for a while. And every once in a while, my father would say to me, um, don't give up on the book, keep writing the book. So, um, I happened to be lucky enough to uh, find out about an editor in Princeton. Her name is Gail Wurst, and um, she's with the Princeton International Agency for the Arts. So I asked her if she would work with me on the book uh, to guide me, which she did. Um, I mean, I did all the writing myself, but she would prod me like, well, she would prod me to go deeper and to um, expand on the scenes of things that I was writing. And since we were about the same age, she completely understood what I was writing about. So it was a really joyous experience. We would meet in Princeton Library about, I don't know, once every few weeks and work on the book, so. Interesting, interesting for me to hear that uh, because uh, the part of our commonalities is we're writing a, a similar genre. Um, the book Beyond the Song, where is it now? Um, okay. Um, well, the ebook is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, the trade paperback is in pre-sale in Amazon. Okay. Uh, it starts September 8th. And then 
I published it through Book Baby, so you can also purchase it on their bookshop. That's available now. Okay, good. Guess what? I'm, I'm gonna. Um, I really. Uh, I'm, 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 I should have had it now. I should have actually started reading it um, uh, because uh, there's such an identi identification me with you coming yeah. out of sixties. Uh, in 70s uh, it's powerful so um, we'll get to that um, and um, just a, a quick off topic thing I, I wanted to ask you uh, it's a one word answer and you don't have to answer uh, but I, I like to ask this uh, excluding family or friends Carol uh, somebody living or dead you'd like to spend the day with I think I know the answer but um, I don't know I think you do too. I think it would be my grandmother. Yeah, I do know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Are we aligned? Yeah. Now, if you had asked me that, I, I would say my grandfather, who I'm looking at right now. Um, um, yeah, yeah, hands down, my, my grandfather. Um, so um, uh, this is kind of heavy. And, and I don't mind heavy, uh, but you, you have a, a chapter in, in the book devoted to your father's family, um, uh, Poland and, 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 and Auschwitz. You know, uh, last night, uh, you know, we mentioned Auschwitz. Oh, I'm mentioning Auschwitz and Poland. And uh, last night, my wife and I were, were talking about uh places we'd like to go and travels when we're ready to start traveling again. We've done a bunch of traveling uh, in recent years, you know, the Caribbean and Central America and, and parts of Europe. Um, uh, and, and we used to do a lot of cruising and she said, no more to that. And, and I said, well, uh, I really want to hit the American West, stop in a car and just, you know, go to Sedona, Arizona and, and Bryce and Montana and, and Utah and uh, 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 but I said there's one place I I still want to go and that's Dashwoods. Hmm. Heavy. Yeah. So um, uh, why don't you give some background and uh, uh, why you wrote that uh, into your your book all of that. I wrote it in, like, as I said, because of the guardian angel, but also I had an aunt who came to this country before the war. Uh, she was a great aunt. It was my father's aunt. And, um, and his grandmother, his grandmother came also to the Boston area. And she wrote a book when it was Vanity Press about our family history. Um, and I reread the book and I found some parts in it very interesting in the sense that um, the only reason my, my father was the oldest of like six or seven children. And um, he came here before the war because he, his father owned a factory in Poland. And he didn't get along with his father because I had a lot of conflicts with my father. So because he didn't get along with his father, they sent him to live with his aunt. Which saved his life. 
which saved his life. And uh, that came up for me in therapy sessions because a lot of what I write about in the book is seen through the eyes of me um, in my therapy sessions. So I was, that really fascinated me. And then um, my uncle was the youngest. And since he could work, um, they didn't, you know, he was able to survive barely. And then he ended up in Bergen-Belsen and he wrote my parents a note on the anniversary of his liberation, which is in the book. So I always held on to that note. It touched me deeply. Um, so I think that I had, I also think I had survivor's guilt from different things that happened to me in my life. And it was kind of tied in with my father's survivor's guilt, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does make sense. You know, this, the guilt thing is it's powerful stuff. Um, it, 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 it is. It drives you and lives with you and it doesn't go away. The whole guilt thing, survivor's guilt. Uh, I live with uh, I live with guilt today that I, I didn't go to Vietnam. I didn't. Oh. I didn't go to Vietnam. Um, and it, it uh, I live with that that guilt. Um, really? I mean, I write about that, too, because I know a lot of men that tried very hard not to go and did everything in their power not to go. And I fully supported that not going. Well, I didn't go because I didn't want to go. I didn't yep. go. And, uh, um, and, and uh, there are times I get very guilty because I didn't go. Uh, wow. I'm glad I didn't because I'm here. Right. And, and, um, but I, I, and I explore that uh, also. There's so much commonality here. I know. Well, there really is. Uh, it's almost like a mirror image kind of thing when your book yeah when it comes out maybe we can do book signings together hey uh you know what uh by the way there's we'll talk about that uh i think that would be great uh, i'm rushing to i'm rushing to finish uh uh um actually been talking to a, an editor i've never when i did my first book uh, i didn't have an editor uh, it was me and my wife who taught uh, fourth grade for 20 years 25 years that's my editor out there in the kitchen now um but uh that would be really cool because they're very they're different unique stories but there's so much ingredients uh, yeah. uh but you know the whole but anyway i told my wife last night i i would love to go to poland uh, and, and just stand there um mm -hmm. and absorb uh so uh Moving away from extreme heaviness, uh, um, you 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 are a performer. Um, so talk about you know, that that side of your life. You're a singer, songwriter, performing with your husband. Right. Uh, my husband is a singer and a trumpet player, and um, we perform together in outdoor concerts. Um, We've been doing some assisted livings, and then he does a lot of that on his own. 
about two or three years ago, we recorded uh, a New Orleans style CD called Come On Down. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And he's recorded some smooth jazz CDs. And I uh, recorded a CD in uh, New York about, I guess, 20 years ago um, with a lot of original material, just going to think about today. And now um, we're working on another CD, uh, more of a smooth jazz, but there, uh, I've done some of the lyrics for the songs. And um, so there's a lot of music going on in my house, a lot of music. Do you have, um, as we kind of wind down here, uh, and, and of course, uh, so everybody knows all your contact information is going to be completely embedded every few minutes uh, into the video. And, and um, uh, so people will be able to find your, your website, your music to listen. I listened, I listened uh, to you guys. Um, so uh, future performances as we begin to open up, uh, a world begins to open up. It must have been really hard for you as a performer, you know, this past year. Yeah, because um, even before the pandemic, we were working pretty steadily at Salt Creek Grill, and then they just decided not to have jazz anymore. Um, but now we just were at an assisted living yesterday, and we did a big concert on Bloomfield last week. But I am getting involved in putting together a music program for libraries and bookstores. Mm. And I'm going to be uh, singing some original songs, but also Carol King, Laura Nero, Joni Mitchell, songs that have influenced me and influenced the book. And that is really where my roots are. That's my true love yeah. of, yeah. 60s, 70s. Right, singer-songwriters. Well, um... This was great. This was. This really was great. Uh, um, and, and it's not the format, but uh, uh, A, you, uh, I always welcome you now. We're friends. You can always come back here in any shape, way, or form. And, and um, we can, when the book is out, we can come back. And, and by that time, I would have read it, uh, <laughs> which I, I, I swear to you, I'm going to Book Baby this afternoon and I'll get a copy. Okay. Oh no, um, uh, because uh, um, it, it, we came out of the same world. Uh, and, I know, uh, and I really hope we can do some things together. By the way, I think that would be great. Uh, there's, so do I. There's so many parallels. There is me uh, of the stories that we're telling. We yes. discussed this before, you know, in the green room. Uh, it, it's um, so there's a there's a word uh uh, you right. know that word, uh, you know, things meant to be, and, and that's why I'm here, and that's why you're here while we're talking. So um, you'll come back. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, we'll do other stuff. And, and I, I truly, and, and we have to thank Diane. I know. By the way, Diane Uniman, who was one of my early, earliest interviews on this channel. Diane and I have been friends for the last three or four years. We started working together. Uh, at the Women's Health Institute at Rutgers Robert Johnson Medical School. We were both on the uh, advisory committee. 
and that's where I met Diane and went to one of her book signings. Uh, um, uh, got breast cancer. Uh, and it was Diane who sent me a note that I should contact you. So to Diane, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. Yes. Um, thank you, Carol, so much. Well, thank Have you. Have a wonderful weekend and to be continued. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Take care.